Hey everybody, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle. And uh, we're doing another solo episode. Um, one that was actually the topic of was voted on by our sweet, sweet listeners. Uh, I forgot to announce this on the podcast recently, but I made a Facebook group called Hyrith Hangout where uh, I just post a bunch of stuff about the podcast, post the podcast episodes there. And uh, I recently did a poll where people could vote on what uh, they wanted the topic of the next solo episode to be, which is what I am currently doing. The options were um, empathy slash empaths, Christ consciousness, and the dark night of the soul. And... uh, the, the one that got the most votes was, if you can guess by the, the title of this episode, was Empathy and Empaths. Um, yeah, so if you're not a part of that group, if you want to join, um, I'll have it linked in the description. You can search for it on Facebook. Um, yeah, and then you can kind of just get farther into this community that we're trying to build here. Um, and also, I just want to say that my mom and I's spiritual class, Margaret Kinsey and I, I still got to stop calling her my mom because you guys don't know her. You have a different name for her than my mom. <laughs> but Margaret Kinsey and I are going to be doing our first uh, spiritual class together this upcoming Tuesday. Um, so if you want to get on that, you just check out the Patreon. It's the last tier. If you sign up for that, you get added to a group where we'll be doing a live chat, and the topic is using your mind. When my mom was on the last time, we really talked about, when, when Mark Kinsey was on the last time, we, we talked a lot about how easy it is for your mind to trap you and to kind of bog you down and bring you to a not-so-great headspace, right? Or just not a great place in general. And so we kind of wanted to expand on that, and we kind of wanted to talk about, you know, what does it mean to actually use your mind um, for good, and and for, you know, what what treat what neat tricks can you do with it, essentially. Um, yeah, so that'll be on Tuesday. If you want to check that out, um, just sign up on Patreon. Also got the bonus podcast, got another episode coming out this week. Um yeah, we're, I'm going to kind of expand on a little bit of what I'm talking about on today and just some other stuff that I've got spinning around the old noggin. So yeah, that's all linked below. Check that out. But uh, let's talk about what we're here to talk about, right? Uh, the episode is called The Power of Empathy. Um, and I really like that. That came to me actually just today when I was thinking about this and, you know, what is, what is the message that I, I want to kind of leave you guys with? And if we're talking about empaths and empathy, you know, I, I really kind of want to show what is the, the merit, what is the value of being a empathetic person. Now, I feel like I'm going to be coming at this in a, I'm going to be, you know, I want to talk about empath, empaths up top and then talk about what does it mean to be an empath, how do you become an empath, can you become an empath, um, and all of those things. So first, let's just start by, I'll say this, um, I am a deconstructionist, probably to a fault to some degree, um, 
Because when somebody brings something to me or asks me a question, usually my first response is to kind of deconstruct it and kind of start at the base level of everything about the the idea. So the reason I bring that up is because if someone says to me, you know, do you believe empaths are a real thing or that um, when someone says they're an empath, you know, where does my brain go to that instantly? And it's 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 an interesting phenomenon, right? So let's define empath. So an empath, I think traditionally speaking, is defined as someone who can sense the mental and emotional state of another individual. Now, the question then becomes, is that real? And here's what I'll say to that. I don't consider myself an empath. I consider myself someone who is highly empathetic. I don't know, for me personally, if I've ever had anything other than just an, a relatable, intuitive understanding or feeling about someone else's circumstances, potentially only because I've experienced similar things, right? So the interesting thing about being human and trying to re relay experiences to other people is that there's there needs to be some sort of overlap between your experience and another person's experience to help relay what it's like. And, and my example for that is always when you have, you know, Mexican food for the first time, you're and you're trying to describe it to someone who's never had it is you're you're trying to say like oh it tastes like this right so it's a comparison to try to help that person to understand what that experience could actually be right like so you know i've i've i can't i can't speak for other people i can't tell what it's like for the inside of other people um if they can sense what that is like to, I feel like I'm having a hard time getting this out, but I can't say for anyone who would say that they're an empathic person, whether that is true or not, because it, it's, it's such a subjective thing. There's no, there's really no metric by which to measure that. As I say that, I realize that that's not necessarily a true statement. Um, because here's, here's the thing. And this is something that really needs to be said about spirituality and maybe just kind of some terms in general. Um, part of the reason that I would never call myself an empathic person is because I don't believe that relaying that information to somebody else necessarily helps them at all. Um, I would say eight out of 10 times that I meet somebody who says that they're an empath I am really always left wondering why I was told that information. Um, and then I'm just, because it's it's never, you know, okay, so here's, I, I would never claim to be enlightened because it seems contradictory to the term of you're claiming something grandiose about yourself that it, it isn't meant for you to be claimed. It's, you know, here, he, what I'm, when people ask me if I'm a Christian, I really want to respond by saying, what do you think? I don't like answering and saying yes or no, 
mostly because are you a Christian is way too simple of a question. It's to really, yeah, it's too simple of a question to really get at the heart of what what they're trying to relay or understand there. So, you know, I, I because I want someone to look at me and define me by those terms. I want someone to look at my life and say that Tim lives a very Christian, a Christ-like life. And that would define me as a Christian. Because I don't want to say I'm a Christian because that when I'm saying that, the, the words that I'm hearing in, in my head is I'm like Christ. And that's not a statement that I feel like I have the right to make. I feel like other people have the right to make that statement about me, but that I don't have the right to because I don't think Jesus walked around like tooting his own horn about how good he was compared to everybody else. And I think that that's, that can be the problem with a lot of these spiritual terms of being enlightened or being an empath is like, are you saying those terms because they help people? Or are you saying those terms because it makes you feel good to have those terms associated with you? Now, for me, a truly empathic or a truly enlightened person will just let those words sit around them because it's they're just words and they don't they don't need them to truly define who they are at their core because the core of who a person is if if you're an enlightened person or an empathic person you're you're living from the core and the core of you is beyond words and beyond definition so even a term like empath or enlightenment they're not they can't fully begin to describe who you are at your core so empath or enlightened it it just becomes another word that you're, you need to build up your ego. Now, I feel like I just spent the last eight minutes saying that empaths aren't real, and that's not at all what I'm trying to say, because I do believe that people can sense or have an understanding of other people. But I really... So, here's what I'll say. I, I heard somebody say this one time, that... Whatever you do well and instinctively in this lifetime is only because you practiced and learned it in another lifetime. So an example of that in my life, you know, and I, you know, I don't know if I, you know, gun in my head, I don't know if I necessarily believe in reincarnation or whatever, um, but I do believe in know, heritage or tradition that, you know, things have been passed on and there are some things that come to me very intuitively and some things that come to me very easily but other things that seem very easy for other people come to me more difficultly difficultly is that a word i'm struggling like speaking <laughs> um some people are better at it but yeah i guess what i'm i'm trying to say is that to truly be an empath, you have to, by definition, to some degree, is be an empathetic person. Because I don't think, and again, I'm going off the assumption that being an empath is a real phenomenon and, and something that people can be, because I, I do believe that more than I don't, um, is that you probably got those gifts to help people. Now, there's a it's easy to confuse hypersensitivity with being an empath. And I would say that the 
the difference there really comes down to how are you affected? Are you able to hold, you know, are you able to hold the weight of all those things without it crushing you? Or, I don't know, are you taking on more than you should because you have a sense of duty? So let me give you a good example of a good empath. Now, she's definitely the one out of ten people who I've met who definitely seems to fill the criteria of an empath, and that would be Margaret Kinsey, my mother, who apparently I'm just talking about a whole bunch this episode. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, but, okay, so my mom's a psychic medium, does tarot cards, has been um, a spiritual advisor for my whole life. Now, there has never been a time in the 30 years that I've known my mom in her doing of this practice where she I've seen her emotionally bogged down because of the experience that she had with another person yes it can be draining on her because it's just like doing anything is naturally draining to a person but it's she doesn't allow you know so my mom deals with people who have have domestic abuse who have you know drug problems everything under the sun and the proper empath is able to hold the phenomenon of the other person without it crushing and destroying them or really you know affecting their peace um so you know that's that's I feel like a lot of times that I hear people say that they're empathic, it's usually in the context of something that is overwhelming for the person who is saying it, you know, so it's like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't be here, I'm too empathic, it's it's too overwhelming or whatever. And I'm I'm definitely sympathetic to, towards that, um, to, the, to, to the degree of which I'm sympathetic to anyone who feels in a situation that it's overwhelming. But I don't necessarily see the connection of having saying that and then needing to express that you have this ability because you're just overwhelmed. It doesn't matter if it's because of you know psychic powers or whatever. It's just the simple phenomenon of you're just overwhelmed and you need to learn to deal with being overwhelmed. And it doesn't matter if it's just because of you got bills to pay or because you can sense how another person's feeling. It's it's really learning to just, yeah, like I'm saying, embody empathy. You know, like I said, my mom is one of the greatest people I've seen do this, but the other example that I always go to uh, is Jesus. Now, how did Jesus practice empathy? Now, again, again, I feel like maybe I missed my point earlier, but in this life, you're here to learn things that could potentially help you wherever it is that you're going next. Whatever whatever path you're on, I do believe that it continues on past this and the things that you learn in this life have, you know, merit and value and and are you're learning them for a reason. So, it's probably very good whether you believe you embody it well or not to practice empathy. Because even if you're an empathic person or you're not, it just seems like it's the right response to so many different things. I'm thinking I have a couple of stories of Jesus 
in my head about where he showed some form of empathy or, you know, some sort of empathic ability. And the first one that comes to mind is Jesus was at a, a, you know, a dinner party or just a time of communion with, you know, fellow religious figures. And while he's doing this, a woman comes up to him and essentially asks him for some food to the table. And Jesus says no. Um, And I think a lot of people try to justify this and they try to say that Jesus was, you know, leading her into something or, or whatever. But there's a part of me that thinks that maybe Jesus in the culture that he lived in, that, you know, Jewish rabbis in the early you know, in the first century, didn't respect women. They, you know, women had no rights. They didn't own anything. They couldn't do anything. And I think it was a very common thing. And I think we miss something if we, if we just make Jesus, if we make excuses for Jesus. Because uh, I don't think Jesus is somebody who needs to get excuses made for him. I think he's somebody that needs to be understood. So we have this story of Jesus telling a woman no when she asks her for food. And the woman responds, yes, master, but even dogs get scraps from the table. And Jesus realizes, oh, this, this is a human being I'm talking to. It's not just, it's not just a property or a, you know an animal or something like that. It's a, it's a living being. And then, you know, he ends up giving her food. And I think it's a brilliant learning example from Jesus. And we see that, I really think that that's one of the, the, the powers of empathy, right? So if this, the whole theme of this is what is the power of empathy? The, one of the first things is really just learning because you're, you're taking, when, when all of this emotion and all of this reality is coming at you, you have a choice to, you know, either project your understanding your interpretation onto it or you can sit there and allow the moment to be whatever it is and then you in return learn something from it and you see something that that might not have been there so going back to the example of Jesus and this woman what if Jesus didn't take the time to be empathetic and and to see because to see himself in that woman because empathy really is just seeing the other as I because the other is I, and it's it's an extension of the I. We're we're connected. It's it's vital that we treat the other person as if it was yourself. And that's that story. You see Jesus really implement that. You see him see this woman, see her as somebody like himself who's gets hungry who wants to be treated with respect and, and loved. And so for me, that's, you know, that's, that's one of the powers of empathy is that it's, it's, it's a tool to help you learn and to help you grow. And it's, it's, a, it's a place of openness and, and yes, whereas, you know, whereas, yeah, just assuming that you know the situation or that you've learned best is is closing off. It's saying no to those things. But again, empathy and putting yourself in those other people's positions, that's a, that's a thing of empowerment. Now I'm thinking of another tale of good old Jesus. 
And this one is more well known in the general zeitgeist. Um, and it's just, I mean, he does this a couple times throughout the Gospels, but it's the idea of Jesus healing leopards. Now, if, you know, part of the power of empathy is learning, another part of the power of empathy is healing. And again, it's because, you know, what, what do leopards represent in the narrative structure of this, this mythos? It's, you know, leopards, they're not, and we use this just in how we talk now, but it's, it's not just people who are, you know, bodily uh, disabled, but it's, it's people that are ostracized to the, the outskirts of society that they're they're kind of shooed away that those are what you know the 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 leopards really represent in the biblical narrative and and again so it's similar to the the seeing and the learning of the first story um of jesus with the woman but in this one it's a it's an actual healing that takes place and I think that that's, you know, what really makes an empathetic or an empath, you know, an empathetic person or an empath is somebody who is able to sit with somebody else's pain and suffering and to heal them. Or rather, is to to be a place that the person can be healed. And I think that that's, that's the better way to look at it, that if you're going to try to embody empathy, then, yeah, then you, the, the reason that you're doing that is to be a place where people can get healed. But the tricky thing is to not get hurt in the process, as, you know, as I was saying earlier. And again, if, if, if we're here to learn and to try to embody things that you know we want for us and, and that are good practices that help everybody and and really bring everyone closer to their peak potential, then you know we need to be people who practice just sitting with other people and being free from judgment and just listening. Because I, you know, again, it's the proper things to say to be a space where people can get healed because I believe most people if they're just if they you know they process through their stuff if if they're allowed to sit with their emotions in a safe space I think that that can heal everybody you know and I think that Jesus was such an overwhelmingly safe individual that people were able to let their guards down in a way that was really therapeutic and mending for them and which manifests physical healings and you know something that jesus says over and over again after almost every miracle is where he heals somebody he says it's, it's like your faith has made you whole or your faith has made you clean or whatever it is it's he's understanding that he was just a place that allowed other people to express the truest parts of themselves and the clean parts of themselves and the whole parts of themselves and to 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 let the the rest burn away so i think i i can just think of one more story that i think is 
really crucial to this idea of embodying empathy, um, but also not letting it crush you. Because I don't know if you can tell, but that's kind of the thing that I keep going back to in this episode. And the reason that I, I do is because, like I said, like I my relationship with people calling themselves empaths is so intertwined with people being overwhelmed emotionally. And I think, you know, it's that becomes more of a, a cursing than a blessing, you know, because if you if if you are, truly do have the ability to feel how other people are feeling, then you have a responsibility to honor that to to help these people in the best way possible and to not extend the burden to them by saying your reality is too overwhelming for me. And I just, I can't handle it. That's that's not healing by, by any stretch. So I actually want to read this story from the Bible. Uh, if you are watching this video, that is my Bible. It is beat to all holy hell. Um, I've had this thing for over 10 years. And I have such an interesting relationship with it because, you know, this Bible in particular is it's like a really good friend that I had during a really toxic time. Um, it's like, man, you were great, but everything around you was real rough. Um, and that's, you know, it's, so it's hard for me to dig into this to like I used to because it represents so much more than just, you know, just this book. But yeah, I, I really do love it. I love the tale of the Bible. I, I wish I could. I really do want to expand on it more. But yeah, so this story comes from John chapter 8. Uh, I just want to show you guys what the inside of my Bible looks like if you're watching this. Um, because there's just a lot of stuff going on in there. But this is, again, another pretty pretty popular common story. Um, it's Jesus um, being presented a woman caught in adultery. And I, I think we all are somewhat familiar with this story. But I want to read it. So this is from John chapter 8. And I'll start at verse 2 and go to verse 11. Early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders of the time, they're, they're you know, in the story, they represent kind of the, the bad side of religion. That's definitely what they are. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, or now in the law, Moses condemned us to stone such women. So what do you say? They, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Again, this is Jesus. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when, but when they heard it, they went away, one by one beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus says, 
neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So there's there's a really interesting thing. Let's let's think about this story as if it was something that was kind of, you know, if, if you were to witness it. So you you see this man who is well-versed and well-educated in the the laws and the customs of the Jewish people and he's he's teaching and it's and it's phenomenal and then these you know individuals who you know according to the story are trying to test him or are really trying to you know see how he handles a situation brings this woman to him and notice here this is you know kind of points back to how my point earlier about how the people in this time treated women is they're not concerned with anything that that woman has done or will do or will happen to this woman. Their major concern is figuring out a snare for Jesus or trying to trap him. And it really is telling of of the individuals and how they perceive women, of just this thing that's just like, it doesn't matter what happens here. And Jesus, he... He doesn't really necessarily give a very like over dramatic response or like anything that's really overwhelming. He's he's very level headed, like to a disturbing degree. Again, think about this in real life. There's a you're sitting there, you're listening to this man talk, and these other people come up to you, or come up to the situation rather, and say, you know, teacher, by all that we've structured our society and our culture around, it says that this woman should be stoned to death. And I want you to think about the people who are writing this and, and hearing this story. And they're they're all Mesopotamian, Greek, Roman. That's all their background. And so these people, they're very dramatic. There should be this... What's missing from this story is any sense of, you know... I don't, I don't want to say any emotion from Jesus because that's not true, but he just seems to be so level-headed about it. And it had to be confusing to these people who were so dramatic. And like he's, it points out twice in the narrative that he's just running his finger in the dirt. And my whole point of bringing this up is because I, I had, I have to believe that Jesus understood everything that was going on in that situation so much better than anyone who was even participating in the 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 drama that was being unplayed. Yet he, it does it just kind of washes over him. It doesn't, you know, he's not bogged down by the fact that these guys don't care if, you know, if this about this woman or or he's not bogged down about these laws that we have to keep or whatever. But it's he has this calm center this core and that's again talking about is like when you live from that place you're not swayed by emotions you're not you're not brought down by them and that's those aren't bad things it's because jesus is he's a witness of his emotions he's a witness of the world around him you know there's there's another story in the bible where Jesus is walking through a crowd and a woman reaches out and touches him. And Jesus says he can feel the energy leave his body. So Jesus is such a hyper aware individual that he's the, 
you know, the meters in his head, he's he has a clear picture of the energy that is in his body, and he knows where it, where it is and where it goes. Yet in this moment, he's he's not attaching himself to this this heavy weight because he understands that if he if he takes on this burden for this person and and then they're not carrying it themselves. They're not really learning anything from it. And yes, you know, to, to be an empathetic person means to sit with the person and to listen. And and like I said earlier, that's that's part of the power of empathy is really being able to listen to a person. But people need to be able to carry their own weights without being having crush a, a crutch on someone else. So there's a balance there, right? You need to be able to help people, but they ultimately need to be able to do it for themselves. And that's, I mean, that's why Jesus says to her, go and sin no more because he's he's not going to be there every time. And to say that, you know, again, sin might not be the best word, but to say that the things that we do, that we know that we shouldn't, of course they have consequences. We just all know that. That's, it's, you know, we've known that since, you know, we were a child and we touched the stove when we shouldn't have. It's, it's one of the first things we learn as humans. So what am I trying to say right now? Here's what I'll here's what I'm here's what I'll say that I'm trying to say. If you're going to try to be an empathetic person, or if you believe you're an empath, the first sign of that, or the first practice you want to attempt, is empathy. So for me, you know, it's it's an empathy. That you can sit with another person and fully relate to whatever it is that they're experiencing, but to not take it on to yourself, but to also be a place where you can learn, where that person can heal. And the last story of Jesus with the, the woman caught in adultery is you get to save lives if you're truly empathetic. And I think that, that again, it's, it's the beautiful power of empathy is just sitting with another person and not asking them other anything other than to just feel how they're truly feeling and for you not to judge it and for you to also not carry that burden onto yourself is is freedom for everybody you know because you're you're allowing that person to get rid of you know whatever negative thing that they're carrying onto them because you're the space and you're 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 cultivating that space for that person to be free so, so an em, being an empath shouldn't be a burden for another person, because to be tr- again, it's to be empathetic. It's to to be able to feel how another person feels, and I, I know that that's overwhelming, and it just seems like too much. But you need to be able to set up boundaries for yourself. That you know, in a moment where people are you know continually questioning you and and trying to condemn a person to death, that you can continue to have such a coolness about you that you can doodle in the sand you know it's it'd be easy to say that that makes it sound like jesus was this very callous individual or something but you have to understand that he's in such an overwhelming situation that if he allows himself to get caught up in the emotion of it all it'll just crush him and he won't be able to do anything so he needs to have a relationship with what he's feeling that is ultimately beneficial to everyone, himself included. Because, you know, again, I think people think that being em- em- empathetic or being an empath is really just an excuse to be a martyr, but it's not. 
It's an excuse to heal. And it's an excuse to be love. And it's on you as an individual if you believe to be, you know, if you want to be an empathetic person, which you should want, or if you're an empath, it's to show yourself some empathy, right? And to show your, make sure that you're not taking on more than you should or, or, you know, whatever it is, or that you're not putting yourself continually in situations that are overwhelming for you. So, I don't know. I, f- I don't know if this was a very clear, coherent episode. I feel like I was all over the place. But yeah, let me know. What's, what is your experience? Because I, again, I don't necessarily, I, I just don't know if, if it's the right thing. Yeah, it's just a very interesting thing to try to, because like I said, I don't necessarily know if, I wouldn't claim to be empathetic, or <laughs> I wouldn't claim to be an empath, but I, like I said, I do try to be empathetic and, and to really put that into practice, and it's hard for me to say what it's like inside of somebody else's reality. Um, and what I mean by that is not that I can't feel how other people are feeling sometimes, but I don't know what it's like for somebody who says that they are em- em- that they're an empath and that their internal world. But what I would say is that you have a responsibility to yourself and to others to not be a burden. Again, to yourself, because you can definitely be a burden to yourself. I'm a big burden to myself. Um, but to use your abilities like it's a muscle, so you you just have to build it to be good and and whole and in the right place. So I don't know, I guess my encouragement for you this week would be practice empathy. Regardless of if you think you're an empath or whatever, here's you know where you would want to begin, is just practice empathy. Towards yourself, towards other people, you know, whatever that is. Be a, be a place of understanding and love. All right. I don't think I have uh, anything else to say. I don't know if, if you made it to the end of the episode. I want you to know that somewhere in the middle it uh, cut out. If you're watching the audio, uh, the video version, you probably noticed that. I don't know what the quality in the audio was. But, uh, yeah, I hope it wasn't too distracting for you. Um, yeah, so go ahead and check out all the things that I have. You know, I talked about at the beginning, the Hire Hangout group, the Patreon. And I uh, also just released the book yesterday. Um, called Churches and Trains, The First Five Years. It's about my music project. Uh, it's just a book of pictures uh, from tour, stories from tour, and lyrics to all of my albums and EPs that I have out. I'll have that link below too if you want to pick yourself up a copy of that. But uh, yeah, guys, I would really love to know what, you know what empathy looks like for you or what being an empath looks like for you. And I, I really hope I didn't discourage people too much with that, but you know, the we need to be careful of how we speak and the words we use and words we claim for ourselves, just across the board. Um, but I don't think the world would be worse by people practicing empathy more. <laughs> That's all I'll say. All right, now I'm just probably babbling. All right, guys, have a good one. We'll see you next week.